I'm in the middle of this sermon series called Restoration. You know, God is in the restoration business. Remember, restoration is bringing it back to the original condition. And man, God created man in the original condition uh, to live a life of freedom and not full of sin and worry. So he wants to restore us to how we were. And one day he'll make us perfect in his eyes. Uh, but until then, we fight and we battle the world and we battle the sin. There, there's so many broken parts in life. I don't know about you, but everywhere I look, it seems like they're shattered and broken parts. And I'm glad that God works in mosaics and he can put things together, even in broken images and make it still look beautiful. Remember this old rusted car, right? Sometimes I feel tired. No, the old one, not the new one. Go back to the old one. The old rusted car. I feel like that, I feel like that old rusted car sometimes walking into that Methodist hospital with my back all sorts of messed up, right? I feel like, man, just, just let me sit out there and rust, you know? My goodness, I'm th so thankful that my body's not like this. But the reality is, come on, you got the preview. I, I want to feel and look like, like, the new, like, the, like the new old car, right? Like the 1956 fully restored Bel Air. You saw that last week. I, I want to be that way. Well, here's the good news. You can be this way because I know a soul restorer. I, I, know a, I know a man named Jesus Christ who sent us the Holy Spirit to communicate with us, to advocate on God the Father, and he can restore your soul. He can restore you to the way that you were. It's right in the middle of the 23rd Psalm. We read it. We know the 23rd Psalm, but we blow right by it because we've settled to be the old rusted car in the desert. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. He leads me beside still waters. You see that? He restores my soul. He, he restores your soul. Are you allowing him to restore your soul? Or are you parked out in the desert just with the pity party that your life's a mess and you're just selling out for where you are? Are you going to walk through the hard times? He wants to lay you beside still waters. He wants you to relax. He wants to restore you. Do you know what else he can restore? Your broken relationships. Anybody in the space have a relationship that is broken and they would love to be renewed? Come on, me. I've got relationships in my life that are broken. And I'm like, man, it doesn't have to be shattered like a, you know, all over the place. There's splintering. There's broken relationships. There's, there's disappointment. There's unmet expectations. There's sadness. There's fear. There's anger. There's all these emotions in relationships. And you start looking at the relationships under your roof, within the church, in your community, at workplace. You're like, man, there's some broken relationships. But let's look what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 20. The, the, the heading in my Bible, it says the ministry of reconciliation. So, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though once 
we regarded Christ in this way, we, we no longer look. We can't look at our relationships as the world looks at them. Stop looking to Taylor Swift, right? And whoever that star football player is, right? Stop looking for them, for the, what, what relationships are supposed to look like, right? Who cares if she's in the air from Tokyo to Vegas right now? Like, you, you're not gonna live that way. And we're not supposed to live that way, the Bible says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. Uh, you, uh, last week, we had a few men stand up here on first service, some folks that were recreate, recommitting their life to Christ and giving their life to Christ. And second service, you didn't see it, but the stage was full. It was full of people that were up here. There's some people, if anyone is new in Christ, the Old is gone, the new has come. Restoration, y'all. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, you, the ministry of reconciliation. It's what the Bible says, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, hallelujah. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Go read that whole chapter this week, chapter five, 2 Corinthians chapter five. Go read that and read that again and then believe it. He has given you a ministry of reconciliation. You have the ability to restore your soul and to lead the way of reconciliation in your marriages, in your parenting, in your friendships, and reconcile this and make your relationships restored. I'm gonna take a chapter today out of a marriage counseling program that Stacy and I use. Uh, it's called Prepare Enrich, and it, it's a database where it, you might have sat with us and gone through this process, right? It's a database that, uh, that allows man and woman, right? Don't have to be married to do this, uh, to get a snapshot of how they see things differently. You know, we don't argue about the stuff we are the same with, right? If we both want to go to the same restaurant you go, you don't argue about it. But if you don't, you're like, I don't want to go. Where do you want to eat? doesn't matter. Okay, great, Rudy's. I don't want Rudy's, <laughs> right? I thought it didn't matter. Well, now it matters, right? So now we got some conflict, right? Well, well, this is, it, it highlights this stuff. I see y'all pointing at each other. Some of y'all in trouble, right? Well, well, what happens is the first three categories are what really apply communication, conflict resolution, and style and habits. And Stacy and I believe after doing some counseling with uh, many couples that if we can learn to talk to each other, communicate. If we can learn to solve problems, not just talk about them. And then if we can talk about, oh, come on, and so those little habits that drive you crazy. If you can do these three things, all the rest of the division, you can overcome, right? Finances, intimacy, family, friends, spirituality, all of this stuff you can overcome if you can talk about these things. But before we get to the points, um, I need some fat people. Any, any fat people in the house? 
Right, look at y'all. Some of y'all are like, yeah, it's me. Fat. Fat, right? No, y'all, y'all, y'all. I want you all to be fat. I want you all to be fat. Y'all don't look at me that way. Faithful, available, and teachable. Okay, some of y'all just put yourself on report. Some of you raised your hands. I can tell you're not fat. Y'all skinny people. You know, I, weigh I weigh over 100 pounds now, right? Come on, put your hand down. But, uh, here, look, what I'm about to teach you, you have to have faith. You have to be available and you have to have a teachable spirit. Because Satan wants to take all of this from you. He wants your relationships divided. And so, here we go. We're, we're, going, we're just going to roll with it. Number one, communicate. Yeah, you got to do it. You have to communicate. You do have to talk about it. You, you have to. Even those of you who think you communicate well, you don't. Right? You think you do, but you don't. We all mess up in communicating. Some of you are great orators. Man, you can talk to talk, but man, you're not communicating. Right? It's just it, we have to learn because each word we say matters. How you dispatch your words, it matters. Proverbs 12:18 says, "The words of the reckless pierce like swords." Some of you throw your words around like like fire. But the tongue of the wise, it brings healing. I cannot tell you how many times my words get me in trouble. How many times did the things I say get me in trouble? We, we don't always link our Christian walk to better communication. And yet God who created us for relationships has not left us without a guide and some counsel on how to communicate the scriptures, the Holy Spirit. He communicates with us through the written word, right? And then also through prayer. So we can communicate by reading what it is that he says, and then also by prayer, which is a two-way street. Communicating is more than just giving. It's two sides. It's listening and speaking. So quickly, I'm gonna give you some some do's and don'ts, right? Some do's and don'ts for communicating. How about this? Do start with your heart. Can we start with our heart and not our mouths? Can we, can we, can we go there? Uh, do use gracious words. Be gracious in how you communicate. Strive for peace. Tell the truth in love. Come on. If some of you would just tell the truth and talk about it in love, be gentle, be patient. Focus on the interests of others. Don't try and get your way. Listen to them. What are they saying? These scriptures up here, go read these scriptures for these. Be gentle, be patient, listen well. Come on, watch your body language. Mm. You gotta watch it. Oh, so many times, Stacy and I, right? I'll say something. I don't even have to say something. She's like, what's wrong? She goes, your face telling me something wrong. Communication. We'll argue over body language. Stacy and I have learned to communicate. She had a sneeze attack this week. And if you know Stacy, once she gets this sneeze attack, it's done for the day. It's just hap it's just it's awful. She gotta take some Benadryl and go to bed. It's just awful. Well, she had this sneeze attack and she called me and says, Hey, 
I just need you to know when you come home, don't read my body language because I don't feel good. I'm having a sneeze attack. I said, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. I'd have walked in and said, what's wrong with you, right? <laughs> what did I do? Right. We have to communicate. We have to do it in some ways. And here's some things we don't do when we're communicate. Don't use your words to break down. Boy, we sure can tear people down with the words that we say. Don't be argumentative. Don't be quick to speak. Listen first. Don't speak rashly or harshly. Uh-oh. Don't interrupt. That's my specialty. If, spirit, if interrupting was a spiritual gift, I'd nail that one every time. I'm so afraid I'm going to forget what I need to say, so I think I ought to just tell you right now. Anybody else? Yeah, come on. It's not good, y'all. Don't do it. Don't hear, but not listen. Like, come on, we could spend a lot of time here. You've got to communicate well. Like, look up these scriptures this week and read them and star, man, I'm, I'm doing well in these areas and, and put a little mark on the areas where you're like, I need to improve. I try so hard now not to interrupt. I try to write little notes and, and, and not interrupt. But our counselor over at Refuge has just taught me the power. She even, she, she'll, she'll give me some kudos. Stacy and I will be in counsel together. I just love sitting there. And then Stacy will say some things and I want to interrupt her so badly. And I reach over, I grab a little sticky note and I write something down and Shannon will look at me and she'll go, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> right? And I'm like, you don't know how hard this is. Come on, I'm growing too, y'all. Like, it's just a lifelong process of learning. If you think you've arrived on communication, you're fooling yourself because there's always something you can improve. Number two, we've got to resolve conflict. Look, so many people just talk about their problems and they don't do anything about them. We just talk. If you would just, why do you always? When are you going to stop? Can you pick this up? What, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with me? Let's start there. Well, why does this bother me? What's the problem here? Get down to the root and start uncovering it and start to fix the issues in your relationship. Talk is cheap and action costs. What are you willing to pay for your relationships to be restored? What are you willing to do to find freedom and harmony and unity in your relationships? I don't want my friends, my family to be like me. That would be unison, would be the same. It'd be in unity. I want them to be like them and sing their part, and I'd rather harmony right? Like, let's be who God's created us to be. Let's address the issues. Remember, we've got broken our splintered relationships. Are you willing to put in the work? Are you willing to resolve it and not just talk about it? The Bible offers us the best solution for solving conflict. Look, 140 of you are in our groups. I promise you over the next few months, there'll be opportunities to resolve conflict. You'll have an issue 
and you'll need to talk with someone about it. There's a way to do this. The Bible teaches us how to resolve conflict. I'm telling you, everything is in this book. If you'll look and you'll search for it. Look what Matthew 18 says. When you have a problem, remember Matthew 18. I'm going to start in 15. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you, if they listen, you've won them over. Let's stop there for a minute. This is a problem that so many people have. You want to tell another person about the problem you have with somebody, but you won't talk to them about it. You'll talk to everybody else about it. I can't tell you how many people will come up to me, hey, pastor, I got a problem. I need you to help me fix it, right? No, you fix it. I want to help you, and I'll prepare you to go have that hard conversation. You got to engage in the hard conversation, because we're working to fix it. And the Bible says you have to talk with that person first. You have a problem with your spouse, you need to talk with them. Now, we can counsel and pray and prepare and get things ready and help you walk this process, but you have to. You got a problem with a coworker? You have to have that conversation. Not your boss. You don't go tell your boss you have a problem with your coworker. You go tell your coworker you have a problem with your coworker. That's what the Bible says to do. It says you talk to them first, and then if you if they if you want them over, and you have reconciliation, you, you, that's it. Hallelujah! Most of the time, it works that way. Hey, can we talk about something that's been bothering me? And then the people, some, yeah, what, what's up? And hey, I want you to hear my heart on this. Here, here's my observation. Here. Here's what I'm feeling. And then you share with them the problem. Most of the time, that's all it takes. You can go up to your spouse who loves you, who fell in love with you and walked down the aisle with you and cried and with googly eyes. And you can go up to this person in the right moment and say, can I tell you something that's hard for me to say? See the difference? Yeah, what's up? What's, what's up? I want you to hear my heart. It totally changes things, doesn't it? Instead of in the heat of the moment, you always leave your socks on the floor, right? That doesn't work. We gotta do it right. And then it says, okay, if that doesn't work, but if they will not listen, it says then take one or two others along with you so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Come on. Hey, can we talk about something real quick? Yeah, what's up? You know, this is what you said last time and it really bothered me. I didn't say that. I didn't do that. I didn't say that. Uh-oh, we have a problem. We have a problem. We might not be able to find reconciliation. What does it say? It says, get some other people involved. Get a brother or a sister. Get your group leader you have a problem with someone in your group, have that conversation. Hey, we're having this issue. I'm not, I don't do that, man. You just, we're just gonna agree to disagree. Okay, well, hey, I just want you to know, I'm gonna engage our group leader and see if they can help us solve this conflict. That's what the Bible says to do. Hey, can you come mediate for us? Can you come be a part? Can you come bear witness to our disagreement so we can find resolution, so we can resolve this conflict instead of stay in it? Come on, you see how this process starts to build and work? And then, oh, it gets tough, y'all. It says, if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan 
or tax collector. Eek, that's no fun. Do you see? Do you see the elders and the pastors are the last to become involved? But so many churches today, they want the pastor or the elders or the authority to be the first involved. You see how Satan mixes this? Look, when you learn to address the conflict and, and you go do those scary coffees or meetings or moments with your family and you start addressing it, look, you'll learn to communicate and you'll learn to resolve conflict. You'll learn things that don't work. I'm not going to say that again. I'm not going to do it that way. That didn't work very well. And then look what the Bible says about the fruit of the Spirit and how you ought to work. Maybe I wasn't gentle. Maybe I came in with too emotion. Come on, you ever come into a conversation too hot, right? Like, oh boy, park that thing for a minute, right? Let it cool down. And then we can talk about it. Look, we're, we're all in the same boat. We're all learning how to do this. And God, it didn't work very well. That's why Stacy and I received counsel once a week. Not because our marriage is broken. It's because we don't want it to break. We're two people living independent lives together in this beautiful experiment called marriage. And it's beautiful when it works right, but God doesn't leave us there just to communicate. He helps us. Three steps, one-on-one, bring in others, and then get your pastors and elders involved. And so here's some seven action steps to resolve conflict. Here's, here's some things you can do. Take the initiative, like do it. Some of you just need to take the initiative and, and go there, right? Confess your part of the conflict. Hey, I, I'm in it too. I've, I, I'm messed up too, just like you. I know I might've said or treated you poorly. Uh, listen for the hurt. Consider their perspective. Tell the truth tactfully. Fix the problem, not the blame. Come on, we're not looking for blame. Who did what? Don't talk much about the past, right? You got to tell them what's happened, but talk about the future more than you talk about the past. What are we going to do so we can get out of this situation? Because we got to resolve this. Remember, we're on the same team trying to fix this. <laughs> Focus on reconciliation, not resolution. Let's reconcile. Bottom line, you, you got to solve the issue. You need to fix the problem. And I want you to hear that today. So many people are in this loop of insanity and you're struggling in your relationships, but you haven't fixed anything yet. Fix it. Talk about it. Learn to communicate. Fix it. Number three is talk about style and habits. Okay, this has got to be the hardest thing to do. You need people in your life that can speak truth. Others Others see what you miss. Others see what you can't see. You have a blind sight. You have habits that are annoying to other people. <laughs> you believe it? Yeah, you do. I do. We have habits that are annoying to other people. Dean Pierce, like I said, he's great at this with me. His wife probably would disagree, right? Because the relationships aren't always easy in the home, but he's good with me and helping me uh, with habits and styles. Here, let me, let me give you a, a test. How do you respond when someone tells you honestly about a habit you have that's unpleasant? <laughs> Yeah, that's not good. 
What happens when your spouse or your friend or your roommate or whoever, whatever your living situation is, comes up and says, hey, you know, it really annoys me when you do this. What do you, what do, you do? It's a hard place to be. Does it, does it feel like a kiss on the lips? No, it smells like a smack on the face. But look what scripture says, Proverbs 24, 26. An honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. Can we be real with one another? Can I be honest with you? We're learning to communicate, talk to each other. We're, we're gonna address the conflict. There's gonna be sparks. But you gotta muscle through it because we're taking the old rusted car and we're making it into something new and there's work and sweat and blood and tears and all of this that goes in to doing that. Well, uh, yeah, you struggle. We struggle with this stuff. Look, the woman says to the man, do these pants make my hind end look big? Look, ladies, that's a bad habit. <laughs> like stop asking the question. You got a mirror, get another one. You make that decision. Don't make your man answer that. He's going to tell you the truth. He's not going to say, yeah, your butt looks big, right? You got to make these decisions yourself sometimes. You got to look where we are. What are our habits? What's your hangups? Just address them, own it, and you'll start to walk out. And then you'll let, remember, it's usually those things that you fell in love with your loved one over. It's probably the coworker you really get along with that you like their personality or their loud spirit. And then later down the road, you're like, why do you gotta be so loud? Well, that's what you loved about him at first. He came home like, man, I got a great coworker, man. He's awesome. He communicates like, man, we're firing on all cylinders. And like, man, we're still firing on all cylinders. Need a break. <laughs> the Bible tells us we're going to have these issues. I'm going to close on a serious note. Will you listen to each other? When you internalize the feedback and think about what the other person, especially those that love you, what they say, and know that they're risking out to communicate to you with intent to solve some conflict and maybe address some habits that you have. When you get in the word, will you see what the Bible says about your habit? About what it is that you can change in your life? so that you can become a problem solver instead of a problem creator? The psalmist writes in chapter 119, verse 9, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Like cleansing your way is changing your habits. I don't want to be who I think I am. I want to be who God says I am. And how do you do that? Is by opening your heart and realizing that God's going to use other people to give you some feedback. And your responsibility is to internalize it and take it to the Lord and say, Lord, what would you have me to do? Because oftentimes that habit that you have is a gift from the Lord 
You just don't, and I just don't always know how to deploy that gift, how to use that gift. And I want to ask the Lord, Lord, will you use my habits? Will you use my style to bring glory to you? Stacy uses a lot of verve, right? She gets off the platform after doing announcement and she's got the car. She goes, I feel like I was landing a plane, right? You know, I'm like, that's the verve that she has. Stacy is very expressive. I love that about her. She might disagree. And that's okay because we have a great counselor. But there are times we go, do you have to be so animated, right? In a restaurant, we're on a date night, and she's telling me a story about some other couple that's in an argument. It makes us look like we're fighting in the middle of this restaurant. We don't know those people. We have. (laughs) Yeah, the room is small, but if you didn't hear, she said, we don't know those people. Can you cleanse your way? Can you receive from the Lord? Can we commit to communicating, to solving the problem, to looking at your habits and styles? I promise you, when you and your relationships can focus on those three areas, all the other conflict that you have will solve itself. And then you'll find yourself doing a little bit of what we're doing today is laughing about yourself. And isn't that a great place to be when you can laugh at yourself and go, yep, that's us. That's me. It's transparent. It's vulnerable. It's authentic. It's who you are. And God didn't make a mistake, but I promise you, church, we all can improve. I love you. I really do. I love who you are. I love what you bring to the table. I love what God is doing in your life, in our life. And I really believe, I really believe the best is yet to come. Let's, let's pray. God, I love you. And I love what you're doing in our midst. I'm so grateful for, uh, when I say growth, I just mean how we're developing as, as Christians, how we're growing as a church body how you're moving in our midst. God, uh, I, I feel strongly in my soul to remind us that we will struggle to communicate with each other if we don't communicate with you first. And so God, bring our prayer lives alive. Let us talk to you. Uh, remind us that we can talk to you like we talk to our spouses and our friends and our neighbors, our church friends, God. You are real to us. You are alive to us. You want to speak to us. And I just believe in my heart when we speak to you and you speak to us, we'll learn to communicate with others better too. God, give us grace when we fall and uh, pick us up, uh, dust us off, and allow us to keep running the race that's marked out for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.